Welcome back, returning friends, Holly Harper. Holly is creator and co-exec producer of Hella Late with Holly Harper on Brick TV. Holly works with Gold Comedy and Stand Up Girls, two programs that empower young women by teaching them stand up comedy. Holly is also the creative consultant for the successful Black Women in Comedy Laugh Fest. So check her out and make sure you see those funny women at the Black Women in Comedy Laugh Fest this year. Also welcome back my young star, Noye Brown-West. Noye is a New York-based Nigerian-American comedian and writer. She's been featured in the Boston Globe's Rise column as a comic to watch. And we agree. Noye made her acting debut in The Sympathy Card, now available for streaming. Happy to announce some headline dates. On February 2nd, at the Comedy Space in Houston, Texas. Yes, it's my first time performing in Houston, so check me out. Also on February 10th, I'll be returning to headline in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at the Still Stacks Art Center. Go to marinafranklin.com for those tickets. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast and Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friendslikeus. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. And now, for our golden friends, you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage. We record every Monday. Go to Patreon backslash Friends Like Us and be golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies. Get your hoodies for the holiday season. Coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops. They're all available. Just go to MarinaFranklin.com. Saturdays on my YouTube channel, I go live with my wacky friend Dave Juskow. Check it out. Go to my YouTube channel. We get give updates to the show we shout out fans who leaves us reviews and we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by and sometimes we offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows with friends like us it will help you feel not so alone because more content it's on the way tell a friend you know to check us out stay safe wash those dirty little hands be nice and black lives matter i've got a new year and Good friends, we've got Noye Brown West. She's my young star, and this is the year that she's gonna go far. And we got Holly Harper. She could probably do this better because she's an improver. (laughs) (laughs) She's got her. (laughs) Yeah, welcome to 2024. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. It's a new year and we're just so many things going on in the 2024. It's kind of crazy. It's the year of the snitches, I would say. <laughs> I mean, we've been snitching yeah. for a while, but wow, do we start it off really crazy in 2024. But I want to start with the Golden Globes because that was on last night when we're recording the day after and we were just talking about what a difficult a job it must be for a comedian to host they're really going in on joe joy Ooh. uh joe coy joy joe coy joe coy that's the joe struggle coy. to his name is um, painful i'm like mm. <laughs> i know i i remember him i you know like you guys were saying like he's huge i didn't know he was this 
big. Yeah. Why didn't I know? Why don't I know this? Well, he. so I only know. Yeah, I only know that he's huge because I've had a few friends that have opened for him and they say that he's always sold out. And then he dated Chelsea Handler and oh. that was huge news. And like the fact that that was huge news, that's her biggest like person that she's dated since 50 Cent. Yeah. It was all over the news. So like that shows you right there, like the level of fame that he's been able to achieve in, in the last few years. Now, I was very proud of him when I heard he was going to be hosting the Golden Globes, mm-hmm. but he made a valid point on stage when he said, oh, I only got this gig 10 days ago because, yes, there are writers, but you have to be able to, as a host, be able to sit down with those writers and go through all the jokes. He probably didn't have time to do that. Yeah. Joe Coy, I yeah. realized he became famous. Just, I, it's, I'm a huge Joe Coy fan. Like, I know oh, okay. almost all his jokes, to be quite honest with you. Um, but he hit a tipping point. He became even more famous as one set where he went through all the different Asians, like Japanese, oh, Chinese, yeah. yep. Vietnamese, Filipino, and that really Korean. That kind of like took him to another level because he was this whole thing was like, I can do this and you can't. Um, but yeah, last night it felt like, yeah, like there wasn't enough time. Like they didn't have enough time. There wasn't enough time. You know what it is? I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm not familiar with his work. I, I've seen him through the years. Like stand-up com, like personality-wise, okay? Like there's there's telling jokes. There's being good at it. There's viralness, vi- <laughs> viralness that can happen. But there's also that it factor that you either have or you don't. Yes. With comedy too. And I think a good example is when Downey Jr. got on stage. Not a comedian, but it's just there, right? He's not even telling jokes the whole time, but there's something about that guy that we just love. That's why he played, when he played that character, um, Tony Starks, yeah, it's like, you can't get that. You can't like, and I'm not saying this about Joey Coy, obviously, but I'm saying like there's a presence around just telling jokes that's kind of important to celebrityism. And I think when I watched it last night, I like I'm just watching him with fresh eyes and I'm going, you don't even have to, the jokes are not even all of it. It's just like your presence. Be, be present. Yeah. Well, so here's something. So someone was po- someone posted Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell's little bit that they did when they were introducing, like they're given an award, yeah. and they were like, "Yeah, look, like they know how to make the audience laugh." And I'm like, "Yeah, but a lot of those people in the audience are their friends." Yeah, Joe is like new to the A list. He's not in the A list yet. Chelsea Handler kind of like lifted him into it slightly. Mm-hmm. He's not there yet. If you look at past hosts of these award shows, like when Ger- Gerard Carmichael uh, hosted, he was in the A list. Like A listers knew him already. Mm-hmm. So everything he said, they were listening with bated breath. Joe Coy's not in the A list, so they don't care what he's saying. They want him to get off stage. It would be like if I went up there. <laughs> they be it like, still doesn't it? it doesn't it it's still the audience what's in front of you don't play to them play to the camera oh that's true and he wasn't doing that you're right i that would be my only suggestion is yeah. like for any comedian i think comedians are like oh you know what a pass on this didn't eileen wong yeah Ali wong passed on that then yeah. she won last night so i'm like <laughs> she won it would have been so weird if she was hosting and then got that award. I would have been like, they put this woman to work. They can't first she can't even just like woman to win this. And she has to work first. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just there's some things that I, I again, I still feel like even if I didn't if you didn't know everyone in the room, there's some things that in the quiet spaces of performing, you can still kind that come across. He seemed really nice. Well, you know? let me tell you, it when he horrible. said the thing about the writers, <laughs> about this, what the writers gave me and everything, I felt as if it was crazy because, you know, my daughter, my daughter's only 16. But we're sitting there watching it. And she goes, I feel like there's something weird going on with him, with the writers where I feel because mm. the jokes did not seem like his jokes. Cause I'm a Joey Coy fan. Those jokes didn't seem like his jokes. So then when he, oh, okay. they were falling flat, I felt like he was like, I fucking knew it. Like these are not in my voice uh. and they, and they wanted me to do these jokes. Like I felt like, they pushed him to do some jokes that he did not like and they pushed him and they fell flat and he named it. That's how it felt to me. Yeah. That always happens. Yeah, that happens. He's an impressionist. And from what I saw, he didn't do any impressions. He oh, showed him doing okay. impressions the whole time. Oh my God, yes. Yes, yes. He, he's really good at impressions. Yeah. The different voices and accents. He's really good. Like if he had, like when he went to Kevin Costner, he was joking about Kevin Costner. I thought he was going to, do a little Kevin Costner. He could have. You got to know when to, you know, this is a like a, a good point of like, you know, the behind the scenes and how to advocate for yourself and your art and how to make yourself like come across good. Like it's, you got to really fight sometimes. Sometimes a lot of what's going on doesn't have anything to do with you. But I would still say like the jokes in themselves didn't, it wasn't just that. It was just, there was a, the delivery like, was off. Yeah, it, it felt, you know, in my opinion, and he seems like a very nice guy. And I, I like, again, I don't really watch him, so I, I can't comment on his act at all. But um, it felt open mic-ish. Like, it felt very, yeah. like, you know, when you go and people apologize for a joke. Yes. And that doesn't work. That just tanks. It, it like for a comedian, it was like, OK, I've seen that like at open mics, but this is the Golden Globe. Also, the Golden Globe is not the same people anymore. That's what I was listening to this yeah. morning. It's not it's not the foreign press, right? No, because they were doing some fuck shit. So <laughs> they got kids. Oh my Remember that one year we didn't even have the Golden Globes. Yes. Because they got called yeah, out. They just that. gave out the award. They were just like, here you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because well, they were so, so racist. Yep. That um, You still see little bits of that, but I feel like that's just Hollywood. Because as I was saying before we started recording, the nominations felt very racist to me. I like some of the winners, like, because you had two uh, Asian winners. You had Io win. You had Davina Joy. The Color Purple was only nominated once, though, which is crazy. And then, like, the comedy nominations, a lot of those movies weren't, even comedies, like yeah, which is a thing now. I mean, there was still there was still racism. Let's just call a spade a spade. Well, but it's that's funny Hollywood. when you say a lot of comedies were not comedies. There's this I see it now. Where even with the Emmys, there are shows being listed as comedies. We're like, okay, like for instance, I love the Bear. That's a comedy. No, that's not. You so see what I'm saying? I'm like, I love it, but is it? Yeah. That's a dramedy. The Bear is a dramedy. Yes, very much so. Anyone that's worked in food service will tell you that is a straight up just that's a drama show. Yeah. <laughs> I get anxiety remembering what it was like working in kitchens, watching that. Oh, show. you did, too. <laughs> they love yep. the 
bear. I mean, this industry mm-hmm. is behind the bear like a thousand. You, you, if you say anything about the bear, you might get cancer. Ah, that's true. <laughs> that's really hilarious. You say that because I found a bear before he even came on. I was walking past a bus shelter and I saw, and they were all in the kitchen. I was a waitress from fifteen to thirty-five, so it got me immediately. Immediately, I worked in the kitchen. Yeah. I worked in dining room. I did all that crap. So yeah. People, the yeah. restaurant industry, the bear is like, they're tight. That's huge. But also, the, the, it's like that huge push to make Iowa star, and it's working. And I love it. It's like fun to watch someone who was literally in the same shows with you, like just a few years ago, yeah. mm-hmm. start winning all these awards, being in every movie, and all the movies are good. She's in all her movies are good. I'm like, and yes. she's really necessary oh, she's, on the she's bear. Adorable. Like I can tell yeah. from looking at her on the bear that. If they went the regular Hollywood route, that'd be a totally different actress. I just want to take a moment to say Happy New Year to you, TB, who's backstage watching us. Happy New Year. He says hello from Oregon 2020. Still feels like 2023. I don't think Joe has ever done anything roasting people like he did Taylor. It really didn't feel like his voice that moment. I don't really remember that moment. It seemed like he didn't want to tell the joke. Like it wasn't Uh, his joke because he was like right away pulled back and waited. Like he swallowed half of the punchline. I had to run it back twice to hear it. It fell flat. What was the something about? It was just that there were a lot of cameras on her at the NFL games, and that there are more cameras on her there than at the Emmys or wherever Uh they were, the Golden Globes. Oh, the Golden Globes. It wasn't very funny. And then I could tell. It felt like he didn't think it was funny. I don't know. It just. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. But to be uh, to be yeah, honest, like though, that. I got to be straight with you. I think for 10 days, they could have found better jokes. Like, no. You have a whole writer's room. Yeah. And not everyone can host it. Like, yes. maybe that's not his thing. Like you guys were saying, like, to host a Golden Globe in a room with celebrities who are already just about themselves and they are always concerned about like there was uh, there was a moment when we was talking about Oppenheimer being too long. Well, I was looking at the actors like the camera was on I them and that. they were like, watch yourself. Mm-hmm. If that if watch yourself could have had a look. Oh, yeah. It was it had a look. Yeah. yeah. So it's possible. That he's just not. Well, he's not just like you said, he's not their insider. And so rule number one in Hollywood is, you know, rule number one in Hollywood is you got to bow at the altar of Christopher Nolan. And so when he's attacking how long the movie is, people were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. No, 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 no. This is this is the new king. Like, don't you know, because they can't sit there and laugh at it because then they want to be in a Christopher Nolan movie. I will say, though, like. Uh, you can make fun of anyone you want to at these mm-hmm. award shows as long as like there's a level of I'm just as big as you or bigger like Ricky yes. Gervais most of the people there didn't even like him but he got away with it they they invited him back three more years because he is a big time producer yeah. like he just is he's still in awards even though he hasn't done a funny special yeah. in years like he won the comedy award mm-hmm. last night <laughs> so I think Chelsea Peretti would be a great host has she ever hosted so. Oh, I think she's hosted something because that sounds familiar. I think she's for some reason, whenever she does these events, the way they respond to her, they really like her. Yeah. They seem to be like enamored by her. Like there's an acceptance 
of her uh, where there wasn't of him last night. Well, he she is married to like a very big yeah. time now producer in yeah. Hollywood, too. So there's yeah. that. Well, one thing that got me last night that struck me this a little differently was how not drunk people were. And they usually are smashed at the Golden Globes. That was the difference of the they were saying that's the difference of the not being the foreign press that the foreign press was really like it's a party. It's supposed to be like they're what they think is funny. It's not really supposed to be like it's supposed to be light, lighter, like the opening lighter thing. It's not like political. It's supposed to not Mm -hmm. be political. And but uh, they took some things away, like the alcohol and all that. I think they need to bring the alcohol back. I didn't watch it. I stopped after the monologue, actually, after the young lady who won over three. No. Oh, over, you mean Divine Joy for over um, the holdovers. Oh, the holdovers. Yeah. Davina Joy. Davina Joy. Davina Joy. I love Divina. her. <laughs> That's yeah. the. Yeah. After she won, I was like, all right, someone's black one. And then I just moved on. And I and I watched the uh, I can't speak today. The Martin Scorsese oh. film. How is it? With Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. The Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. Fla- is it Flower Moon? I can't yeah, remember Yeah, it's like that Pillars term. of the Flower Moon. Yeah, the Indigenous Woman won. That was good. So, like, a lot of diverse, like, there were a diverse bunch of people who won, but the nominees for certain categories were very racist still. I, I'm still going to say it. <laughs> yeah, the Killers of the, that movie was so, that's the one joke I loved that Joy Coy did that they got awkward on was he was like even your premise was stolen by white folks that was brilliant Mm -hmm. and you could see them going and go where was the premise stolen from it's just the idea that they are doing it oh you know like i think that was the part of the it's not like they're stealing it from somewhere it's just like it's their story to tell but they're still white people are still telling the story yeah Mm -hmm. but I watched it last night. It's a huge chunk of your life when you sit down. It's no <laughs> joke. It's like two hours and something. Like, but I'm telling you, someone tried to call me. Usually I'll pick up and take a break from a movie these days. But I just watch. I said, I got to get. I have to watch this. It is phenomenal. Really? And it's like, oh, it's so brilliant. And it's so Martin Scorsese. It's still very gangster like. It has a lot of that in it. And it's. And. He appears in it. I'm not going to tell you how, but it's you can see he really cares about their story and that it's a real story and that he shines a light on even the Tulsa thing. And it's like you could argue like white people do in our stories, but it, he I love the way he covered it hands down, like the depth the acting. I haven't seen good acting in a while. I've just seen like Marvel <laughs> movies. So I'm just like, OK, the, you know, there's a celebrity. There's a celebrity. This is actually like you're watching Leonardo DiCaprio. You're watching like um, menopause is a bitch. I cannot. Robert De Niro. <laughs> you're watching it and you're just like, oh, my God, I miss actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. I just miss actors. Well, the thing is, we used to get so many really great movies. Like so many. I'm going to have to stop you both because I've been watching great movies this last year. I don't know what y'all have been watching. I haven't been watching any of those like comic book films really that much. Although I did watch a couple that I'm not going to name because I'll be canceled just for watching them. (laughs) (laughs) I did watch The Flash. I did watch it, but only when it was on streaming. (laughs) What was it? The Flash. I did watch it, but only when it was on streaming. I just need to see. 
I just needed to see if it was good. And it was, I was like, why would they release this movie still with the lead being crazy? And then I did watch it and I was like, okay, it was a good movie. So I understand why they, they did release it still. Unfortunately it was good, but yeah, I watched a lot of really good movies like, um, uh, Bottoms, Theater Camp, um, The Blackening, a lot of good horror movies. Like I loved like Pearl. I watched some things late because Pearl was from Mm -hmm. last year. You know, Nope was great, but I also like, what was that one? The one where the little, like the daughter's head gets cut off. Very good. And these all had like great acting. I'm like, okay, hereditary. Really great oh, Hereditary is pretty old. old, though. Yeah, that's pretty old. That's like three, four years. I'm old. talking about in 2023. No, but there were good. I, all the other movies I named were 2023, except for Pearl and Nope. No, I'm saying there are good movies. I just I feel like what we actually go to the movies to that, see has been yeah. dominated by yes. Marvel or like any type of like. Yeah, it's all like. Even like Wakanda Forever is like, that's still Marvel, right? Yeah. Like the Color Purple, I would say, is finally like a movie we could all go to and see some good acting. And The Killers of the Flower Moon is like a movie. Oppenheimer, thank God people went and saw that because it's a good. So it's like we're kind of swinging back to that. And I just I end up going to the movies with Keith Robinson, who only likes things that like are exploding. And I'm like, Keith, <laughs> you want to see something get their ass whooped or something explode. There are really good acting movies, though. And I feel like Davina Joy, even winning for The Holdovers, that movie was tied as a movie to see if you like acting. So even her winning that is like, okay, they're giving a nod to actors winning, you know? And same with The Flower Moon Woman. I wish I could remember her. The thing about the movies is I understand that there's still a lot of amazing movies coming out, but like to what Marina was saying, all these movies used to come to the movie theater. You know what I mean? We used to go to the movie theater to see all these amazing films. Now these amazing films are being streamed. And so I feel like the streaming movies are getting conflated with the streaming TV shows. And so the movie culture is just not as strong. So it's when you go to the actual movies is yes. to see a superhero. Right. Like remember when people superhero movies this year, I saw like 12 movies and none of them were superheroes. But that's you. I'm oh, saying like the, the majority of like people... Remember back in the like, hear me. No, it's true. Like lady, but remember back in the day, <laughs> people went to go see Terms yes. of Endearment. Like that's not yeah. behavior now. People don't go flying to see like movies like people that. People flock anymore. to see a three-hour black and white movie, Raging Bull or Schindler's List. They really went to go see straight-up dry-ass movies because they were we were a movie culture, movie theater-going culture. Now it's it's not. Well, I'll ask you guys this, too, because all the movies you named were very, like, white-dominated mm-hmm. cast. Do you think people are just sick of watching white people on screen and they want to see diversity, and the only way to see diversity is through these Marvel movies? No. Maybe that's it? And then, like, well, no. and also Barbie. Flower <laughs> of the Moon is not. That's Yeah, that's diverse, too. Yeah, yeah I, haven't I seen think bed bugs and yeah. a pandemic happened, and a lot of movie, a lot of people are just not going back to the movies like they used to. And so a lot of studios are like, we're not going to put these movies in the theaters unless we have a really big enough movie. TB is saying, is agreeing with you. He's like, going to the movies is just so dangerous with COVID and all. I'll only go to see a movie in a theater if it's something that looks better on that exactly. kind of screen. So mostly the superhero mm-hmm. movies, the rest I stream because it's safer. And then I'll mask up and can't enjoy my soda and candy and popcorn. That's oh. fine. 
Huh. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I think I did see like Spider-Verse in the theater, but that was the only superhero one I saw this year in the theater. And then the year before, the only superhero one I saw in the theater was uh, Batman, which was like, honestly, that was just good acting okay. too. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I see too many movies. I am a member of all the little like class pa- or whatever it's called, the passes and all that. I have them all. <laughs> Let's get into some of these juicy, juicy yeah. viral topics. <laughs> Speaking of, of uh, the snitches of the year, Cat Williams. Wow. I don't know about you, but like we were just <laughs> talking about what keeps your attention even. Like I was saying this, like I watched this. Now it's very rare. And it's like I get yelled at by Keith all the time for not knowing like sort of like the black gossipy <laughs> stuff. I, I'm just not it's not who I am. I don't get into a lot of gossipy stuff. But this one, I do watch the shade room a lot because I can't help it. I love the comment <laughs> section. I've run to the comment section. I'm like, oh, my God, look, 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 look. I can't help it. It's entertaining. So when I saw that Cat Williams was trending on the shade room on the day it went live. I went and watched this interview with club Shay Shay with Shannon Sharp and it was at 64 K mm-hmm. right. It's at 33 million right now, or I think maybe 34 million probably as we're even speaking. Right. And it held my attention for two hours and 46 minutes. When I tell you I was riveted. Now, I don't know if I'm a sucker no. to mess, but I was just, I was entertained. I was like, ooh, speak that shit. And then I was like, why am I more entertained by this than I am some comedy specials? It felt like a comedy yeah. special in a sense. And then the next day I see like within like hours, like maybe two hours, it was in two hours. It was at millions mm-hmm. of views. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to go to you, Harper. Did uh, you call me Harper? Harper. Holly Harper. Like we, we work for, we work in an office together. My, we have cubicles. <laughs> my niece, my niece's name is Harper. Did you watch it? Holly? Yes. And you said your niece, everyone has a niece named Harper. I have a niece named Harper too. Um, <laughs> but I did watch it. Girl, I watched, first of all, my sister, my little sister who doesn't even do social media sent me a clip. And I, first I watched a five minute clip. Then I watched a 16 minute clip. Then I watched a two and a half hour. I watched them. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And yeah, it was riveting. Like I felt like I could not look away. It was like a an eclipse. <laughs> and you're not supposed to look at yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I loved it. And like, I just felt like as comics too, there was just so much stuff that we identified with that he mm-hmm. said. I know we've all had jokes stolen from us. And the fact that people have the audacity to like still do your jokes if you've done them on television already is like wild. I already knew about the Kings of Comedy thing because I like I knew about that cat joke beforehand. But yeah, I just think... I just think it was brilliant. I don't even think it was snitching. I just think it was just telling truths that you could just find on the internet yourself, but doing it in a funny way. And he was calling out that type, like he was calling out that type of interview style too, like having an interviewer that clearly is not very good at what they're doing, who does not try and, uh, like when he started talking about reading 3,000 books a year as a kid and, (laughs) and Shannon Sharp didn't even question it. 
when clearly he was trying to like get him to finally question something, right? He didn't question it really at all. I thought Shannon did a good job, but I'm biased because he looked He's so, right. You, if you see my Instagram, I froze a picture of him in that beige outfit and he had, he's striking like a pose. I was like, what man in an interview is stretching in this manner? He has one leg like cocked up. And I was like, Oh my God, look at all that mm-hmm. body. He was mm-hmm. body, body. And yeah. And I never looked, I have never looked at Shannon Sharp that way. I've l- only listened to his voice. And so, yeah, yeah. I can't. But then, he's body, yaddy, yaddy. Like looking at me straight up as. Yeah. Have you looked at him before? I, I oh, never I When he was trending. Yeah. When he was trending for wearing that ugly sweater like three years ago, I was like, it's like, you guys are looking at the sweater? Because he was like bulging out of it. There was like things happening. So, yeah. I was a bit distracted. I mean, there was so much going on. But I, I will say this, like, uh, here's some of the funny lines uh, from Cat Williams. So th- for those of you who don't know or was, I don't know where you've been, because it's amazing to me. I was at the cellar this week and I would bring it up on stage. And I was like, this is definitely must be a what like. A black I, I I didn't realize that white people didn't weren't aware of it like I was on stage I would mention it and like two people would go yeah I saw it in the, and I was like oh I'm I am working a white club oh my god mm. I this 20 it was at 24 million when and two people were like yeah I saw it. the rest of them were like no I don't I was like what what only Twitter oh. whites only Twitter whites know about it. <laughs> it. It was, it was, yeah. that's, that was what I'm saying is like, it's amazing that that many people have viewed it. And I'm in a club where people were like, not clued into it. And I'm thinking it, to myself, this speaks It does speak volumes. Cause I had a similar experience two weeks ago. I was at a birthday party and it was mostly white and uh, somebody brought up Eddie Murphy and most of the white people were like, huh? What do you, not Eddie Murphy, they up Diddy. They're bringing up the Diddy situation. They were like, Huh? What do you mean? What happened? Like straight up, what happened? Something happened with Diddy. I was like, what? Like we are that, but that says something about also on social media, like the algorithms of what they're getting and what we're getting. Right. It's like, we are clearly like, I thought for the first time we were all like, what was so fun about it was for the first time we were all watching something at the same time and reacting to it, which is like, we don't do that anymore. Like with streaming and your own options of what you want to watch, you know, back in the day, again, here I go, you would watch something like during the holidays and we'd all be commenting about the sound of music. Cause we were all watching it. Cause that was that was what was on. And this was the first time I felt like we were all like in sync, I thought. And then I go to the comedy club and I mention it and only two people in the audience even knew what I was talking about. I was like, this, wow. Yeah. Wow. So culturally, we're on a yeah. different page. I had that same experience last weekend. I was, uh, I did like a semi-road gig in New Jersey. I was down at Atlantic Comedy Club with these two comedians that I was getting along with so well. And then the person driving was a Swifty. And I just, I asked him right away, like he, it was a huge Taylor Swift fan. And I asked him right away, I was like, what do you think the issue is? Why, um, why Taylor Swift seems to like pretty much only have white fans. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. And he started naming all these things. And I kept being like, you know, but Lady Gaga, but Madonna. Cause like, 
there are white pop stars that cross over. And finally, we just all decided that we're just in such a divisive time period in the world. I don't know if that's true. Is that true? Because my sister is a huge, she's black. I've seen black Taylor Swift fans. Her fan base, there are, well, her fan base is blacker than it was five years ago. Yeah, it's no, she. I, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back on that. I think a little your bit. fan base is yeah. blacker because than it was five years ago, but she is very well known for being very white. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because my, I mean, it, it, like again, it's all who you know, and like I'm telling you, I've seen black fans for Taylor Swift. My sister is a huge. She's been fought. My sister's well known on the internet. She goes pretty viral. She was on tour with Fifth Harmony and she's known as Juno the artist and she is a huge has been always a huge Taylor Swift fan and she's told me a lot about Taylor Swift that I didn't know like about how her music writings like it's things that I don't know about so like I could see how easily like if I didn't know my sister like I would have that view of her about her music I would just kind of put it in a category of white but because I have that understanding of her I have seen her black fans as well, you know, but I, I will say this in itself, just in case you weren't following it, the story, Cat Williams went on the Shannon Sharps club, Shay Shay is called Club Shay Shay, or as I call him now, Shay Shay LaFone, LaFine podcast in an interview that has now gone viral. Thanks to him going after some of the most famous working comedians, even Sharp caught a round or two on his own show, you having an unnatural allegiance to losers is not like you, is what he said. The interview has gone viral. Like I said, it's at, oh, it's at 34 million. And he's taken a, he really trashed some famous working comedians for the first 35 minutes of the two hours and 46 minute interview. The longest in Club Shay Shay history are the juiciest. Williams keeps up his attacks throughout the entire interview he went off on ricky smiley and steve harvey for their lack of range first claiming that he placed a clause in his contract that he'd only work with ricky smiley again if he was wearing a dress now what was ricky smiley's next movie was first sunday did he wear a dress in it yeah you bet he did it's in my contract that's where he's a believable actor him and Tyler Perry can't play a man to save their life. They play a good woman. Now, <laughs> I'm going to say this. Is that and your cat, Williams? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just, I don't know him, so I'm not going to be able to impersonate him. But that's how he was. I. It was just so entertaining. Um, a lot of that, this, though, about the dress wearing. Let's talk about that. Black men in Hollywood. Do you think that's real? Like, is is that the ticket so someone on twitter actually uh wrote down all the white guys that have also wore a dress so like they proved they were like okay off the top of my head i can name like like i think they named like 11 black actors that have worn a dress and he was like but off the top of my head i can name like almost 40 white actors and so i was like okay i don't know if that's really what the issue is here i think the issue is why do you, why does Hollywood think this is hilarious? <laughs> I think that's the real issue. Well, I don't think it's like Illuminati or whatever. Well, big men playing, trying to play dainty women makes people laugh. Like it just makes people laugh. And so on one hand, it's weird. Like the two sides of my brain. On one hand, my writer brain and my more political progressive brain is just like, no, 
This is what you do. You're in Hollywood. Men play women. We've seen it everywhere from Mrs. Dowfire to, I mean, like we, we've seen this before. Bosom buddies. Bosom buddies. So, and I, it's, I think it was also a mix of homophobia in there where it's like, I don't want to be a woman. Like that, like almost like this is the lowest thing you could be. You'd rather be a drug dealer than play a woman. But also I think that if we had way more roles for black people, if our roles were more balanced out, there more, there's more humanity with all our roles, especially with black men, then I don't think this would be a thing. But I think it's a mix of history and white supremacy, but then also homophobia. I think there's a big mix of homophobia. In there. I agree. I've been hearing it in a lot of these, uh, the topics that we have. It's like, I'm hearing a lot of homophobia that's not being addressed here because like what's wrong with this is sort of like the thing like so Ricky Smiley's wearing a dress and it's funny you have a problem with that because why you know like the only ones I want to hear that have a problem with that is maybe someone who's trans who's like I want to play or a drag queen you've always done that so I do hear it in there and I'm like this seems like an old conversation it seems like you haven't updated your thoughts on men and what's wrong with men being feminine? Yeah. You know, I don't know. No, I think you're really on to something. I'm sorry. I think you're really on to something. And I have a friend of mine, you know, in the industry and he's really cool. He's a really great producer, but he also has, he's a bit of misogyny in him. And we, he was like talking about when Brian something, that guy, he was in Atlanta. He, uh, the TV show Atlanta, he played, uh, oh yeah, Brian Terry Smith or Brian Terry something. Yeah. When he was at the Oscars or some ceremony and he came out dressed like a clown with, uh, Melissa McCarthy on like Golden Globes or Oscars or something. And he was just like, but why would you be a buffoon like that? Why would you do that? Why would you debase yourself? And I'm like, do you understand? Like you're acting, like you're putting on. Like what, what is going on with black manhood that you feel is so delicate that it can't stretch or bend in any kind of way? Like it's just going to break if it goes anywhere out the confines of these four brackets. So I do think it's homophobia, but then to me, homophobia is rooted in misogyny. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then Dion Cole got it years ago from Chicago when he was wearing like these pants and they were questioning his his attire and they were like you they they like had a conference like a meeting like they were like brother you need to stop and i'm like what is going like that's toxic what were some pants dr cole's hot as hell he can wear whatever he wants he can wear the leather pants he can wear the glitter pants (laughs) i know he's sexy that's another one (laughs) no comment now he also <laughs> no no comment uh and i say with that with a strong t uh, now he also talked about steve hart let's talk about the stealing of jokes and because so, here's the thing like i got initially uh i'm not gonna say who but a pushback on all of this like there is some comedians who are really not feeling like Cat Williams revealing a lot of this stuff, believe it or not. They're saying that he's crazy in himself, that he has his own problems and he's exposing everybody, but what about him? And I was just like, wait, where? why are you going there? Like, I, to me, I'm like, he's addressing people who've addressed him. That was what he clearly said. And if you listen to the interview, very carefully, which it's amazing to me is people have gone back to watch it. I even want to go back to watch it again. I watch it twice. Oh, okay. See, 
A lot of people have watched it twice. Yeah. He clearly is very linguistically complete in everything he says. Mm -hmm. He could be crazy. We obviously, come on. He, he's a comedian. Who's not <laughs> that's doing this? He may have a bad backstory. Okay. But that does not take away from this moment of him revealing things that he's, he's addressing the people. He said it. I'm only talking about the people who've come on your show, Shay Shay LaFone, and said things about me. That's it. Now, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. But I will say, like, he called Fat Faison a liar. You called him Fat Faison. <laughs> you said that that was his Christian name. You said, not Donald Faison, Faison Love. You just called him Fat Faison. That's what he said. Oh, he did, he did say that. He well, said he always has a shirt off. Because, Marita, you said he called Fat Faison. Like, <laughs> like, you just gave him my name. He said, oh, my. <laughs> he called Earthquake illiterate. Yo. He called everybody's wives weird face light-skinned weird face wives or and then he said light-skinned ugly face wives at the end. and that's a light-skinned woman <laughs> i did laugh at that i'm sorry people were like that's offensive i was like i'm yes. laughing i'm sorry i'm laughing people call me light-skinned too even though i'm darker than both of y'all and i laughed at it <laughs> Look, everyone gets a light-skinned woman with their hollywood fame it's amazing he's not wrong he's not wrong. and that's that's the thing is like everybody was listening to that and going what is he saying that's wrong here? He, there, now, there was some embellishment in moments. Sure. That's what he does. He's a comedian. So there's moments where you go, did he read 3000? Come on. Uh, but that's the humor of it. You know, like some of the other things he said that was really fun, like fate and Faison, which I love Faison. I like to be honest with you, like Faison, not fat Faison, but Faison. <laughs> I've worked with him before. Very nice to me. Also, really respects the comedy as a craft like to the point where I even think he'll be honest about like he's not there there like that I remember him being like sort of vulnerable but Faison is getting it because he's given it like he's hated on was it Nicole Byer he trashed her special yeah, we're getting a Netflix that. special I so it's like, if you going to give it, you going to get it. I mean, everyone who's getting it has given it yep. on some level. So it's like, you, no one was, no one was innocent in these. And then I think Mike Epps was like, damn, how come he even mentioned my name? I need a shout out, <laughs> you know, because Mike Epps, you didn't like probably hasn't done anything to Kat to make him go. Like he did say he likes, he's like, he gave credit. Cat Williams gave credit where comedy credit was due. He said Wanda Sykes was funny. He said Chappelle was funny. He said Chris was funny. He gave a lot of credit to people. But when he, people who come for him, he was like, let, let, let me do a little microscoping. Okay. He said Steve Harvey, one of the comments that caught me the most was when he talked about Steve Harvey, called him a potato head. No. And he said, no. <laughs> there's a lot of potato heads streaming pictures of Steve Harvey. And he said that he called Ocean's Eleven yep. and asked for them to remove Bernie Mac from the movie. That hurt. That hurt. When I read that, when I saw, I heard, because you know, that's not the first time I've heard it. I heard somebody else yeah, talk about that a few years ago. And I was like, huh? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the thing is, I don't know if it's true, whatever, but I'm just saying that hurt. That's, that's pretty bad. That's really bad. Bernie, Bernie said it himself before he passed he away. Did. So I think it's true. 
did. Yeah. Oh wow. Is that the GQ yeah. article? See, that's the other thing. About the GQ article. Yeah. Okay. That that's one. And that's the other thing is like there's nothing in there that we had like earthquake that may be new to a lot of people, but that has been a conversation in the comedy scene that he w- could not read. Now it was I think it was mean spirit. I think that was the one that. I thought was mean because like exposing someone who's illiterate like that to me was kind of just mean. I I just, that didn't really take with me. I was just thinking like we all kind of knew that and you're punching down on that guy. That is true. But what was interesting to me is that I'm sorry. That's okay. Shannon Sharp himself had an issue reading his intro. He couldn't get through his intro. It was maybe three sentences. (laughs) <laughs> look as Keisha every now and then I took issue with the letters I've had true. problems reading on this show that's true that's but, true I had trouble reading in public too so I get yeah. it the earthquake but thing is it's mean been discussed the earthquake thing is mean but then we have seen earthquake talk about folk really bad oh I haven't yeah I've earthquake has talked about people really badly so I'm just kind of like I'm like, yeah, it is mean. But then when you talk about people, it's kind of like, uh, can we really get feel bad for you? <laughs> now, let me ask you all, is this a black thing? Like that was something that someone put out there. Like, why are black people always airing their dirty laundry and doing this whole thing? And I believe that there's some nuggets of truth on that. But I don't feel like this was that for some reason. Why? I think. I think at least he's doing it in a funny way because when white people air their dirty laundry and tabloids and on the news and all that, it's never funny. Um, like, like it's never funny. It's always like, oh, that sounds very serious. So I don't know. I, it's definitely not a black thing to air dirty laundry. That's internalized racism from our people saying that. But I mean, he's a comedian. I feel like in the comedy community, uh, it's very normal to roast people. That's part of the job, honestly. We got to know how to roast the audience if somebody's heckling us. We got to know how to roast each other backstage if somebody's talking shit about us. We got it like, it's just like we, most of us became comedians because we learned how to roast when we were kids. Like, so it's just part of it. It's like, if you don't like comedy, just say that. <laughs> yeah, I think that... That's what I have to say to those people. Well, I agree that Black people, we, we're not just the only people that air out our dirty laundry. I just think we're better at it. Yeah we are more of a sharp shooter. It hurts more. So I don't, I mean, think about the, all the hate that like Dane Cook, I hate Dane Cook, Dane Cook. I, that was all I heard from white people. I never heard any of the black comedians talk about Dane Cook. It was all white dudes. Or even like the new kid. Um, the one that got the jaw implant. What's his Matt name? Matt Rife. He has a jaw implant? Yeah, uh, Matt Rife. Yes. Sure like yeah. He has Is a jaw? Yeah, that filler. Uh, oh. Who? Matt Rife. I'm just saying it's a filler. Is that a filler? Oh, is it filler? I don't know. But so, like plastic surgeons have all been all over like TikTok yeah. showing like that he definitely got stuff done like to his nose and his teeth and his jaw, which is fine. Like, I don't think there's anything. I mean, it looked mm-hmm. good. It got him fans. Mm-hmm. So, but pe- what? But they've been trashing him. Yeah. yeah, they go at him. But I don't think and even Kat said this is not like a race thing. This is just I'm addressing people who've addressed me in your interview. Felt he goes, you did not ask the proper questions to them when they were on here. So I'm just addressed. I'm coming back. And let's be honest, Kat is an entertainer. He's got a special that he's also smart and going. I've got a. Pro- 
people are, are going to get tickets to see this man yes, after this interview. They were we were the Epstein list was coming out and we were talking about Cat Williams. Mm-hmm. Chappelle has a special out right now. We're talking about Cat Williams. Mm-hmm. And Cat Williams like special comes out, I think he said in two months. We're all gonna be seated for that one. Oh, I'm seated. Because he <laughs> says some funny things. I mean, like sure I, and yes, they're still rooted in some homophobia because he talked about yeah. like Chris Tucker and Michael Jackson. He said, What grown ass man gives you a nickname like Christmas? Come on now. Yeah, that was just like art. That art. was. Yeah. But it was funny. Sounds like he's I, never I'm had a male lie. best friend. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. But it was funny the way Kat said it. He goes, do you name you? Because it there's there's roots of Kat that reminds me of old school black folks talking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And a lot of that, a lot not, of that shit is homophobic. Yeah, like our uncles used to crack us up. My uncle to this day. Yeah, he can sound racist. He can sound homophobic, but he makes me laugh. He makes me laugh. Right, like when he talked about what's the Jonathan? What did Jonathan Majors? Is that what you mean? Yeah, when he said, <laughs> "When did he become attractive?" <laughs> and my sister made a good point. She called me up and she said, "Uh-uh." She says, "I don't like that trashing someone for like having African features." I was like. And also, Jonathan Majors is hot. Although I watched his interview, his like interview today on um, ABC. I watched clips of it. He's had work done too, because they were showing side by side images of him, like him sitting there, and they were showing clips from before when he was on. He's had like filler all here. He's had filler here. So now he's better looking than he was because he was looking wrinkly for his age. But he, I think we could all agree he was like the reason he was so famous so quickly. Is because he was a very hot. Yeah, remember they used to say he is civil. Right. They said he had a civil I, rights face. They said he had a civil rights face. And oh. <laughs> what? You don't remember that on Twitter when he first went? When he was in uh, Lovecraft, they're like, "Yeah, girl, he has that civil rights face. Like he's civil rights." Wow. Face. And I was like, "He looked like he could be like, yeah, like he." <laughs> but he is civil rights fine. Well. But the the line, the best line is when he said, "When thank you, Megan, good, God bless you, coming to save that slave." Uh, he, he got his charges cut in half. How's that not funny? <laughs> it is very funny. It is. That's so funny. I I was I almost fell. I almost fell out my chair. He did rush in and save I think my neck. He did rush. She did. She's. But it's like it was hired by Disney. What? I think she was hired by Disney. <laughs> I really do. Really? Because the, the quickness that that happened and how Disney had him on ABC today, they're trying to like save their investment. I think that's what that is. But anyway, conspiracy theories over here. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't he say says this Chris. Go ahead. I'm sorry. This the Chris Tucker we got now is Epstein Island Chris Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about Cedric the Entertainer. You know what's funny is I think Cedric the Entertainer is so cute and lovable. It's so sad to me. I didn't know all of the I didn't know all this stuff about him. And well, I would say though that every entertainer at some point you're gonna find something about them. It's this weird, it's like we are really airing everybody's business. Like these non-disclosures, like even Look, on a low level, even for me, right, 
I am very careful about who I'm hiring these days because you just never like people right now, they're quick to say, well, she looked at me wrong. Yeah. And then one apology. And then your apology is not good enough. <laughs> Straight up over a look. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then say, Marina, or, and then say, or, Marina that know, was hurtful the way you looked at me. Now I had intention. It was hurtful. Like it was intended to hurt. Yeah. Yep. Or she she didn't believe in me. This is the let's give everyone an award syndrome, you know, like from the kids who grew up and was like, no, there's no winners. There's just everyone gets an award. It's like, no, actually, not everyone's good. You know, when you're not doing the work, you're not doing the work. So now we have a response from those people. There's a lot of people who are just coming out there just going this is like people are human. OK, like people are assholes. There are assholes in the industry of Hollywood. It's like 99% assholes. I don't know what you thought, mm -hmm. but that's what you're working with. If you're going to decide to be in this business, that's what you're working with. Now, if someone, you know, does something like touches you or assaults you or all that, that's a whole other issue. You got a lawsuit on your yeah. hands. But if someone was just not nice to you. Get the fuck out of here. Come on. Get over yourself and do your job or get another job mm -hmm. because this ain't for you. This ain't the industry for you. Or, you know, get your your feelings are going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. There's a lot of sensitive crybaby victims walking around here going, oh, no, I didn't like the way you said this to me. And you didn't you didn't address me the right way. I'm sorry. This is your job. I, what? Well, see, you're, you're so right about this. And think about even just what I said, that term hurtful. I never even heard the F-U-L, hurtful, used until like five years ago. So now it's not even just I was hurt. Like you in tech, that was hurtful. Like it was meant to hurt me. And now people give apologies and people are like, but that apology wasn't good enough. And it's just like, you show me this, you show me someone over the age of 45 who hasn't made a mistake. I will show you a liar. That's a liar. Sorry. I also think to, just to close out this Cat Williams thing a little bit, I mean, I could talk about it the whole, but the yeah. thing about him, I think he's exposing that it still exists to this day is gatekeepers. Yes. And we've talked about mm -hmm. this on the show. And I've said like, some people want the gatekeepers back. I've heard some comedians say that expressively, oh, wow. like it's out of control and we need some gatekeepers back. But what Cat Williams was talking about was the gatekeepers. There are some gatekeepers in there that he's that's why people really were like salivating at this comedians even because there's a lot of comedians who who don't get opportunities because maybe they don't know someone or maybe because they're not a part of a group mm -hmm. or they're friends with someone and then they fall out and then they get sort of like their mini like blackballed. I know it. Mm -hmm. very well you know the longer you've been in this business the more people you know the more people you realize that you kind of fill out with that don't put you in things because they just don't like you and the thing is is and some of these people ain't even that funny and he's right about that mm -hmm. he is right about that now i'm not gonna say like the people he was talking about specifically but we see the industry get behind certain folks mm -hmm. They get what they get and then they forget that we know the truth about them. We know that the industry pushed them forward, that it's people are writing their jokes, mm -hmm. that they couldn't hold. They couldn't follow 
They can follow you or they I've seen people position themselves in ways where they don't go after you on a show because they know they can't follow you. That stuff is real. When he talked about like he got a standing ovation and then they realized like everyone needs a standing ovation. That stuff is real. Bernie Mac being the headlining of his show of the of the Kings of Comedy tour when it was it was supposed to be what Steve yeah, Harvey Steve Harvey's yeah. Yeah, tour. Yeah. See, I didn't know it was Steve Harvey's tour. I so didn't know that. Yeah. So it's like if you're going to like manipulate this business, it's going to be exposed at some point. You know, like a lot of us who are like authentically going through this scene is tough. Yes. It's hard. Yes, it is. The business of comedy <laughs> and Kat was exposing it is sometimes a lot of these people that you see that are stars are sub. They're not the funniest mm-hmm. ones. It was like listening to him, you go, all right, like exposing Kevin Hart. I know Kevin Hart. I watched in the comment section on a lot of these uh, shade room and all this. A lot of people are going, yeah, wait, why, why, why him? Or why is he, you know, and you just, you see the audience and you're going, is the audience actually asking the question of why am I being given the same person? Over and over and over again. Why aren't we seeing different people? So, and you even see it on the younger end too, because a lot of people on Twitter are like, "Oh, I don't see many black comics over forty, or sorry, younger than forty, like getting elevated." Mm-hmm. And on the other end of that, like on the under, like because I'm under forty, I see the same ones of us being elevated over and over mm-hmm. again. And it's like it's it's starting again with the younger generation. So now like those are going to be the same 10 you're going to see everywhere in 10 years. And the rest of us are going to fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just talked about the bear and we were like, you can't talk about the bear because you can't like, I I'm sure it's a good show. I haven't, I'm from Chicago. I haven't really grabbed onto it, but that kid is once the industry decides or whoever that is decides this is going to be the person you're going to see them over and over. And and I think people get exhausted by that. Yeah. Yeah. And like I was saying, Io was like in seven movies that were all good <laughs> last this past mm-hmm. year. And so he's definitely like the new person. And so is Jeremy. I don't remember his last name, the male mm-hmm. lead. But he hasn't really been in much because he was going through personal stuff. But I'm sure we're going to see a ton of him this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. One, one person I see people agreeing on is Issa Rae. Like the audience goes, yes. Yes. Yeah. But she did it the old school way where she really worked her ass off on the internet for years she sure did. before she was anybody. She had like three web and series. She, she did it like, she did it the way that people like respect a lot, you know? And I feel like, I feel like honestly, I don't know. I don't want to say this, but black, black lady comics. Cause like, I'm thinking like Miss Pat and stuff. Miss Pat was working for years before she got her big mm-hmm. break. I do feel like, that is kind of the way it goes for us. Like we got to work for more amounts of years before we get anything. Even Io, she's in her twenties, but she's been around since she was in college. She's been doing comedy since she was in college, which is like a good eight years ago. Like she started comedy at NYU. So it's like, I feel like there, we just have to work for a lot more years. Sam J is another example too. Mm-hmm. Sam J didn't become anything until she was in her mid thirties mid to late thirties. But but I will admit one thing that does bother me is that when I turn on Netflix as a joke or just turn on looking at comedy specials, 
And I'll see like the thing with like Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. And it's like, I'm happy for them because they are two brothers who really climb the ranks to become like the big dogs. But I'm like, we should have black women who are right there. Like where that bothers me. And so to see it happening all to see it happening again with uh, younger Gen X and then millennials. And now I see it with uh, Gen Z still the same thing that they're not elevating black girls the way they should. And that bothers me. This brings us to our next article. Taraji P. Henson, who fought for drivers to take color purple cast to set after they gave us rental cars, told Oprah, we got to fix this. When no food was at rehearsals, Taraji said in a recent interview with the New York Times, no less, that she and her co-stars in the color purple got a lot of stuff on that set because she fought for it behind the scenes. So like the, the security with the cars the films in the atlanta set she says they gave us rental cars and i was like i can't drive myself to to set this is atlanta this is an insurance liability it's dangerous now they robbing people what do i look like taking myself to work by myself in a rental car so i was like can i get a driver or a security to take me i'm not asking for the moon they're like well if we do it for you we got to do it for everybody well do it for everybody it's stuff like that stuff i shouldn't have to fight for i'll go to you holly uh well first of all can i just say that that's horrible like that is absolutely insane that these lead actresses were dealing with this crap now i know extras and they players get get treated like cattle, but these women who are like leads, that's that's pretty crazy. You know you're not supposed to drive yourself home or drive, like that is an insurance thing. But one thing that has gotten me within this whole debate is how much people have taken that shot at Oprah. Like everything is Oprah's fault. And that really bothered me until I saw this morning where there was some interview released where uh, Fantasia is talking about how Oprah was the one that fixed problems for them when they were having problems on set and how a lot of people don't understand just because Oprah was one of the executive producers, there is the studio, the studio pays people. So they were talking about, I wasn't getting the right pay. That's the studio. When they talk about, we, there's no food here. No, that that's the production company. And then Oprah found out about it and went in and fixed things. But when people are just so blick, uh, quick to blame the blindly rich black lady, that really irritates me. They've been attacking Oprah a lot. Because she's a billionaire, that's why. Because she's so rich. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she's black. And she's a woman. woman. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Now, it is absolutely insane that they wouldn't have food at a dress rehearsal. Like, what production company was doing that? That's crazy. I was just trying to look it up. I was wondering if it was Tyler Perry Studios because they were in Georgia. But I don't know. I was just trying to look that up right now. I couldn't find it. So Taraji says it wears on your soul because you fight so hard to establish a name for yourself and be respected in this town to no avail. With black films, they just don't want to take us overseas. And I don't understand that. Black translates all over the world. So why wouldn't the movies? I have a following in China of all places. Y'all not going to capitalize on that. Don't everybody want to make money here? I'm not the person that pulls the race card every time, but what else is it then? Tell me. I'd rather it not be race. Please give me something else. And so well, she's been speaking a lot about like her pay and everyone's saying like, like he brought, like Cat Williams brought that up mm-hmm. about Taraji. 
And it was really a nice moment where he was like, can you imagine like a woman who's had to get to that point where she has to say it out loud, mm -hmm. how painful that is? I mean, when Monique said it, everyone was like, mm, I guess because people didn't want to hear from from Monique. Like sometimes the messenger is important, you know, like sometimes who's saying it. And the delivery. I think the delivery. And the delivery. The yeah. delivery is everything. Also, yeah. Taraji P. Henson and just... We just qualify this by saying that I love Monique. I think Monique is an amazing comedian. I think she's a very talented actress. But I think one thing that happened with Monique was I think people saw her as having fights with all these different people. So when she was complaining, it was sort of like she's always fighting with somebody. Whereas with Taraji, we don't really see Taraji as having beefs with people. So when she's like going, really going off and very passionately with teary-eyed, talking about the pain, and it's, it's like, whoa, what's happening over here? I think it was delivery and it's a different person. Yeah. It went viral on Sirius XM last month and she broke down in tears while discussing the pay disparity issue she still faces in Hollywood despite her success on Empire and having an Oscar nomination under her belt. Now, my question to you both is this. We just came out of a writer's strike and an actor's strike. Like, where is this in the conversation? Was it, was it addressed? The rate, the paid, oh, the, the pay disparity. Oh, the pay disparity. I don't think it was. And then they started firing a lot of POC people in the industry, like right after the strike was done, mm -hmm. too. Like shows started getting canceled mm -hmm. that were POC led. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like not only did it not get addressed, they were like, we're done with diversity and inclusion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's crazy because so, so much of DEI has been attacked by. Uh, like MAGA and right wing people, but like our side was like, uh -huh, chop, 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 too, right along with it. Yep. Now, just to be fair, <laughs> or to play devil's advocate, I should say, I should put that in it. All the shows were getting chopped, like a lot of shows were getting chopped because that's what happens after a writer's strike. It's happened historically that they wipe the slate clean and then they start over because. That's just what they do. They can't keep the shows that they, during the strike, that they do. So just so happens, or ironically, I guess, all of our shows were were there. Right? Mm -hmm. And then there was a strike that happened and we were hurt by it. And we were the first to go always. Mm -hmm. But it is part of the process of a strike. I just wonder, though, if pay disparity was the conversation. I don't remember... And then maybe it's my fault for not really paying attention to the strike enough if that was the negotiation part of it. It was in there originally. I remember uh, just from being at the picket line, that definitely was part of it originally for the writer's end. And then I think it was, I'm not sure about the actor's end, but I know it was on the writer's part of the strike for sure. Yeah. But I don't think it was addressed. Although the writers got mostly everything they asked for, I don't think that part was addressed. Well, for the actors. Well, oh, I was talking about the writers. I'm not sure about the actors. Well, that's what I mean for yeah. the actors, because that's what Taraji is, is like it. the actor strike had to have addressed that, I would think, moving forward. I would hope. I got to look into that. You know, she's having this conversation, but if that was part of the conversation in the, in the actor strike, then maybe there's some hope. I don't it feels know. like there I know that, I it at, feels like that wasn't part of the conversation. Now thinking back on it. 
I know that with extras who are SAG, they got a pay bump, but that's the only pay bump I know I remember reading about on the after side because I, I do extra work all the time. So I was paying attention to that. I, but I don't know if. Yeah. The residuals. We, I have to I got to look into yeah, it. Yeah, because it was really about everyone. streaming and extras and A.I., but the thing about it, because I, I think it didn't come into play because after you're at a sad minimum or whatever, it's pretty much what your team negotiates for you. But the thing that, that got me about Taraji, I wasn't shocked by any of what she said, except that she said that she does all these things and even has nominations. And then when she gets hired for something else, she has to start back at the bottom negotiating. That is what got me. That why is she negotiating back at the bottom is if she hasn't done all these things. Yeah, I thought like because with writers, once you sell a show Mm -hmm. and it airs, then like you don't start at the bottom again. You start to you can only make a certain amount. Once you sold a show or whatever, your pay goes up. Mm -hmm. It's just like set in stone that way. There's no reading like you don't go back to the bottom like you were saying you're set now here. So you're right. I that's it's very odd. Yeah. I'm curious. I it's a sad part and I also worry about her with her mental illness. She talks about mental illness a lot. So I just wonder What is she bipolar? Is she bipolar? Is she, or is it I don't know. Or is it just depression? I'm just being honest. Like I you know I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what Taraji has. I didn't even but know she's, she had she's, mental illness. Been, she's been advocating about mental illness for quite some time. Yeah, there's a conversation about her and Fantasia. You know, Fantasia had a rocky past with her mental health, too. And yeah. I know that yes. they are very close. And so they're very open about their mental health, which I really appreciated because we need more Black women to be honest and open about their mental health. But yeah, I just... The fact that Taraji P. Henson would be nominated for an Oscar and then have to start back at the bottom, I thought that was absolutely insane. Yeah, that is insane. And I think that Hollywood, Black Hollywood specifically, there needs to either, if there's not already, there should be like a club or a course on finances and how to balance your money and how to get a a, a good business manager or how to like make that money grow and not, you know... We hear too many stories of black artists who, after all of this fame, like they they are back at the bottom and they have no money and they're giving it like she's talking about all the percentages she has to give away your taxes. We know that people end up in jail. Wesley Snipes ended up in jail from his not paying his taxes and financials. And there's so many programs right now that you could look at online. Earn your leisure, guys. Those guys are amazing. They will show you how to invest your money. Noya, you mm-hmm. know, we talk with my uncle all the time. These are things that I, for the first time, I'm like, I have saved so much. Like, it looks like I'm broke, but I'm not. I just am not using the money that I'm saving. It's tied up in stocks and it's like, it's there for me when I down the road because we don't do that. We don't have these conversations in the community enough. And the Earn Your Leisure, guys, it's a wonderful podcast. It's on YouTube. If you're not watching it, please go watch. Those brothers are real. They are not trying to make you. You don't have to pay a lot of money to watch them. You will get a lot of just passive learning, listening about how to invest your money, because this is a real problem in Hollywood, it, you know, where we have people who just come out of this and they're seeing that they have no money. Yeah. That shouldn't be. 
Okay, so now I'm going to move on to this. Uh, these these two, I'm going to try to get these two in before we end. This is These are hot takes on, uh, it's about the church. <laughs> Again, boy, a uh, famous preacher, T.D. Jakes denies he attended sex parties. Again, this is a another like... There's homosexual conversations like anti-homophobia is in this too, but he attended sex parties with P. Diddy, the Daily Beast, Kate Brecolet put this in. When Sean Diddy Combs accepted a Lifetime Achievement Award from BAT in 2022, the rapper gave shout outs to supporters who lifted him up in prayer. Among them were Kim Porter, the late mother of his children, his ex-girlfriend and R&B artist Casey, who filed a sexual assault lawsuit against him last year. Mm-hmm. He then named one famous helper in particular, Bishop T.D. Jakes. And in recent weeks, the Texas preacher has been at the center of a social media rumor mill accusing him of appearing at Diddy's sex-charged parties. I heard that he was twerking. Uh, twerking. Wait, stop. You just gave me a real visual. I'm like, I'm, stop it. Wow. I mean, none of these, I I forget who said it, but someone was saying that like, when you see a man turn to the Lord or the church or religion real quickly and get like fully immersed in it, usually there's some going on, like they have some sort of sex scandal brewing. Or something happened to them. Something happened to them. Yes. I saw or something happening. Yeah. Yeah. I said, why is everybody who I saw this thing where it said, why is everybody who worked really closely with Diddy all of a sudden turned to God in some kind of way? Like five minutes after shine became like a Hasidic Jew. He became an Orthodox Jew. Mace is a reverend. All these people turned to Eber all of a sudden all about God. I'm like, what is they leave Diddy and they need Jesus. Like they just need God all of a sudden. Here's the, Here's the part, though, is that he says the worst TD uh, cakes is Jake's. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Cassie. Team Marina. Why are you doing that? Reverend TD cakes. This whole for TD cakes. It's because of the twerking, is why I hear you call them TD cakes. All right. TD Jake's. Easy making sense. You know, listen, I. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not like a, I don't go to church. I'm not, like I've always had problems with men in church. Like Girl. from history of me being a child, I just cannot listen to a man. But I just can't. He goes, I will not use this sacred day. And this is what he said at his Christmas Eve sermon. All of you who expect me to address a lie, you can log off. I will not use the sacred day and the sacred pulpit to address a lie when I have a chance to preach a truth. Mm, okay. The worst that could happen if everything was true, all I got to do is repent sincerely from my heart. There's enough power in the blood to cover all kinds of sins. I don't care what it is. The blood would fix it. But I ain't got to repent about this. All I got to do is step over top of it. Now, he has been known to be called. This is what was happening in the viral TikTok. They referred to him as being a power bottom. Girl. And sloppy top. The mess may set you free. I just keep getting these visuals and I'm like, stop. I 
rebuke these visuals. Yeah. I rebuke these visuals. I mean, as a fellow, <laughs> as a fellow power bottom, I got to say that, <laughs> that the last thing he needs to be doing is stepping over top of it because I think that's what got him in trouble in the first place. But I think what we need to talk about here is that <laughs> in... In different religions, homophobia is like becoming such a huge problem that now you have all these closeted men uh, and women. Honestly, you have all these closeted people that go and hang out with Diddy because that's the only release that they have. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, not- sloppy tap it. But then he's got you for life. Like, yo. <laughs> but I already, see what's crazy is I already had a problem with TDJ because I know so many people, because I have some Southern family, they child, they love them some TDJ. But I had a problem, Reverend T.D. Jakes, who was like a year or two ago when he gave some sermon about mm-hmm. stop raising our young girls to be independent. Stop we raising mm. our girls to be strong. Under- he really did. And I was mm. like, oh, wow. Are you, you're really trying to tell the black community to not raise half its people to be independent? Like, really? For whose benefit? Like, I, that, that offended me. Power bomb, none of that crap. That offended me to my core. And I was like, this is why I don't go to church. This is why I don't like most churches. I'll be there. I'll be in my head. I'll be feeling good, singing the songs. And then a reverend will just say some dumb shit. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. It always happens. You just listen just a little bit (laughs) and you will hear it in there. Right after you start feeling Like the guy who, uh, the guy who they went up against, they said that was Obama's church, Reverend Wright. Yeah. My sisters used to go to his church and I listened to him right away. I knew, uh-uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's just that when men are in charge and they have an ego, I can always see it. Whenever I see someone preaching and I can also see an ego, I'm like, I can't listen to you no more. Yep. Like they, we have this great article and we're not going to go too fully into it, but about the woman who was uh, trying to get into this uh, prominent black church in New York sued for gender bias by a woman who sought to be a senior pastor. AP News reports um, Abyssinian after a long time. Yeah. After a long time, senior pastor Calvin Obutz third died in 2022. She was trying to get in and she had full optimism that she would be chosen and she, she wasn't even a finalist and is convinced that sexism was the key factor that she has now filed a lawsuit in federal court accusing Epsinian and its search committee of gender discrimination. Along with the church, the lawsuit filed December 29th, just before the new year, specifically names the search committee chair, Valerie S. Grant, <laughs> accusing her of behaving inappropriately. It always be us, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went to a church years ago in the in the village that was uh, I think she's past since I remember going and it was a woman. It was the best I've ever I would keep going because I just hadn't heard from a woman's sermon like before. And she was amazing. And it was void of ego. It was just void of it all. It was mostly about the information. It was so well done. I forget why I stopped going, but I just used to go all the time because I just was like, this is, I can hear from a woman. I cannot hear from a man. It's sad that I don't know what the truth is here. I'm sure she'll figure it out, but I hope she, you know, I always say though, you have a choice in what church you go to. Mm -hmm. Well, the one thing that got me about that article, she said, I'm going to get it wrong. 
she said that somebody, whoever was it, was it Calvin Obutz or somebody said that she said that somebody said that when they were talking about choosing a woman to secede and be the head that they were like, no, I never even gave that a thought. And I was like, yep. Okay. But I have actually seen, I mean, come on now, you be your own people. I have seen women say, I'm not taking no direction from another woman. I'm not listening to no woman. So it's us too. It's well, not me, but like it's black yeah. women too. Oh yeah. That's why we can't have nice things. This is the quote. She says, gender discrimination motivated the decision not to hire a fact discussed openly during meetings of the committee, including by Grant and another committee member who said that Obsidian would only hire a woman as its senior pastor over my dead body. That was it. So I'm like, uh, is she really making this up? Like, no. Yeah. Go ahead, Noye. Oh, no, that's okay. I, I've been watching a lot of like cult documentaries and a lot of them are about churches. Surprise, surprise. And, um, they seem to always do this. Like even the cults that are led by women themselves, uh, when choosing their successor, they always want a man. And they're just like, Oh God said a man needs to do it. And it's just, I don't know. I don't, I think that comes from them being raised in a very misogynistic society or household or whatever as well. Mm-hmm. I do have a friend who became a, a priest. She went to school, um, Harvard Jesuit school. Then she went to become a priest in the South. And now I think she's in Colorado with her family. So that's, you know, and she's a, she's a lesbian. So they have like a queer priest. And I just, I feel like that's very good. I did have thoughts when she told us all that she was going to become a priest. So I was like, oh, cause like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not really religious at all, but I think it's good that she, is showing people in like the Bible Belt and very conservative regions and in a conservative church that, hey, look, like a woman could be your priest and she can be gay and she could, you know, still have a family and, mm-hmm. and teach you about the Bible. So I don't know. Well, it's stupid. It is. And you see women, in, like, I look at Amy yeah. Coney Barrett, like her church, yo. They have this whole thing in her church where women are not supposed to have any positions of leadership and written down that a woman should never be in charge of a man. And I'm like, why are you on the Supreme Court? Like, and these are people making large decisions for us and they have no checks and balances. None. No, none whatsoever. None. Now we're going to end this with the Kings because this is Martin Luther King's daughter says, Wars, gun violence, racism have pushed humanity to the brink. Citing gun violence in the United States, the death of families in the Ukraine and Gaza from war and threats from artificial intelligence. The Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter said Thursday, the world urgently needs to study and adopt her father's philosophy of nonviolence to avoid self-destruction. She also mentioned conflicts in Yemen, Congo, Ethiopia, and cited racism against black people as another threat to humans, uh, saying it remained a blight more than 50 years after her father was assassinated. So I think this is an important week to really, you know, when we talk about, like, that's one man I'll, I'll listen to is Martin Luther King. You know, even he had his phone. But it's yeah. like, I think it's an important week to really reflect on humanity in how we respond to what's going on in the world. We're in a new year. It's a lot of sadness. It's a lot of death. 
a, a tremendous number of people have died. Humanity is in crisis. There is no doubt about that. It's affected by the world. It's affected by our politics. We see the migrant situation. People are flooding, flooding, leaving places for reasons that we know is just violence. So just overall, let's just take a look at that and let's try to find some good in, in the world and some peace and some forgiveness and some empathy. I want to say I'll leave it there. This has been a really great episode with the two ladies for the new year. Thank you so much, Holly and Noye, for joining me. Thank you, Thank you for uh, having us. Of course. Noye, tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, so my name is Noye Brown West. You can find me at noyecomedy.com. That's N-O-N-Y-E comedy.com. My Instagram is Noni Fizzle, N-O-N-E-E-F-I-Z-Z-L-E. That's the same as my TikTok, which I, you know, sometimes I post on there. We'll we'll say in the new year that will be my thing. I'll post on TikTok more. Cat has me less afraid of joke stealers. So, so maybe I'll do it more now. Uh, and with friends like us, you can always choose peace. Always. Yes. Thank you, Noye. Holly? Uh, I am Holly Harper. You can find me on uh, IG and Twitter as Holly Harper 5. Holly with the IE. And then Harper and just number five. On the book face is just my name. It's just Holly Harper. I think that with friends like us, you're going to get smart conversation. You're always going to get smart conversation. And Nonye, yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan, Nonye. Oh, oh my goodness. Thank you, Holly. I'm a fan of yours, Thank too. Thank you. Always been. Just want to let you put that <laughs> out there. And I saw it, I was like, what? Okay. All right now. Okay. <laughs> Yes. And Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. I will be in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at the Still Stacks in February. Go to my website for that date. Also, uh, with friends like us, you can be sloppy bottom. (laughs) 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 I forget what it was. And it's okay. We're okay with it. It's fine. (laughs) Check us out.